Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Vinicius de Zurda, Vinicius para marcar. Va, va, lo junte. Gol, gol, gol. Welcome along to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. We are fresh off the back of the Copa del Rey semi-finals. Real Madrid against Osasuna is your final. There's plenty to discuss, plenty going on in those semi-finals and uh, yeah, plenty to break it down. We're joined by Roman de Arquer and Jorge Lopez Torrecia. We're going to go through the Osasuna athletic tie in part two. There's a couple of, couple of appointments as well to get to, but we would be doing ourselves a disservice if we uh, focus on that first because it's fresh in our minds. First of all, Jorge, as the, as the Real Madrid's side of this. How does it feel to finally get one over on Barcelona after three straight defeats? How is the Real Madrid in you today? I mean, it's quite surreal because uh, people my age have not experienced such a such a classical like this. Like This is historic. I, I read a tweet from Matt a few moments ago stating that it was the first time that Real Madrid scored four goals in Camp Nou since the 60s, with Puskas and Di Stefano scoring in that in that match so yeah it's it's surreal it's i believe safe to say that no one expected this to happen especially after after watching barcelona performances at home this season in in la liga and yeah i mean it's it's surreal it's quite a surprise um and and yeah i mean there's plenty to talk about from this match like not only from real madrid uh, side but also on, on Barcelona's performance, on Jules Koundé, Vinicius, there's plenty to talk about. Indeed, and Roman, just on the on the flip side of that, I think a lot of Barcelona fans perhaps maybe thought that Real Madrid might get one over here on Barcelona, but on the whole, that Barcelona had a good chance and certainly didn't expect to take a beating like they did. Yeah, I think um, it's a deserved result, but at the same time a bit rough because I think uh, Barca uh, made efforts to at least 
score a couple of goals, one or two. I mean, they had good opportunities, but unfortunately, uh, the efficiency wasn't there. Whereas it was for Real Madrid, who uh, made the most of their attacking opportunities. And we know that um, in the counter-attack, they can be so, so dangerous. And they showed in the first goal and in some of the other goals. And, you know, um, if you don't make the most of your opportunities against a club like that, you know it's going to have some sort of payback, you know. And also, you can kind of tell that uh, Madrid is going into Champions League mode. Uh, take into account uh, it's coming back and it's probably their main objective aside from the Copa del Rey. So uh, good news in that sense for Los Blancos and all their fans. Yeah, just starting with the match then, obviously Barcelona, I think they had the better of the first half. And I think certainly up until about the 44th minute, Barcelona and Xavi Hernandez would have been very pleased. I mean, I was watching Frank Kessier, Sergio Roberto and Sergio Busquets compete against Valverde, Modric and Kroos, which two or three years ago really was quite hard to picture from a Barcelona point of view. And I think I, I felt a bit bad for Chad because I think he got his tactics right in this game and ultimately it went Real Madrid's way. But should they have been a bit more clinical, perhaps this could have gone a different way, Roland. Exactly. I think uh, that really affected the outcome of the match because as you perfectly explained i think uh, the first half barca were the superior side for me they had the better opportunities madrid were struggling to find their feet a bit uh they obviously always um, give that sense of danger and, and generate their opportunities but overall i think barca had the game quite controlled but uh from scoring one nil for barca it went the other way around and madrid in that counter-attack made the most of of their of their opportunity they got ahead and since then barca never really look the same you know and the second half uh, straight after coming out of um, the dressing room you could you could see the attitude wasn't there Madrid came out way more aggressive when it should have been the opposite you know Barca uh, were still pretty much alive in the game it was a 1-1 overall draw so I mean another goal would have put them ahead but I don't know it felt like uh, they kind of not come out with the right mentality and from there on it just went from bad to worse and they completely gave up after the, the second or third goal. I don't know, both were quite uh, harmful, I'd say, for the, for the players because they really didn't really uh, have maybe the experience or the capacity to react to that, you know. Maybe there is when you lacked uh, more veterans like Busquets to kind of lift up uh, and make the players believe maybe the youngsters here were a bit um, not used to, to this kind of situation and unfortunately uh, we weren't capable of, of reacting and that second half was Madrid all over for me. Yeah, I think Messi's, the penalty he gives away against Vinicius is so boneheaded that I think after that point, it was tools down for Barcelona. They were just like, yeah, we're gone completely mentally. But dropping back to that first half, Jorge, what were you kind of seeing from a Real Madrid point of view? Because, yeah, I mean, we've seen this Real Madrid side do this time and time again, where perhaps they're not the better side, but they maintain themselves in it. Courtois makes a good save, Benzema scores a goal, everyone goes home happy. Yes, I mean, I I will sum it up by by saying that this was the experience of of the Real Madrid side. Like we saw players like Modric, like Toni Kroos, not crumble under the pressure. Like they played, they knew that this match was gonna go ninety minutes, and they started the game like that. And they they started to control the game when when they scored. And I would like to 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 put the focus on. On Thibaut Courtois, because we all know that the front pages are going to be Benzema, Vinicius, and and deservedly so too. But the player that changed the balance of the of the game, as Roman said, was was Courtois. From going down one nil to actually getting the counter attack and and getting the first goal at Camp Nou, which was a, a a huge shift in momentum. 
I think that that he deserves some praise for for this match because he always shows up when the team needs him the most. We saw it in the in the Champions League final against Manchester City too, and and he always shows up when the teams need him. Well, well, when the team needs him, and and yeah, and and, and he deserves some praise too for for tonight's performance. Yeah, and just on the kind of that men- momentum shift and that mental aspect, especially Roberto kind of confirmed what Roman was saying after the game. He said that morale-wise, they took a real hit after that first goal, and when they yes. started the second half, it just it just didn't quite happen for them. They they didn't have the kind of yeah the bites that perhaps they should have done. Miguel Quintana the other day was talking about how Courtois is one of the best keepers in the world and had one of the best seasons the keepers had in a long long time last season and still finished seventh in the Ballon d'Or and we just do not appreciate them as we should because because yeah frankly it's yes. perhaps not as and that's our fault yeah yeah completely and and that is our fault because we start talking about Benzema about Vinicius about Valverde Tony Cross and and we don't give like goalkeepers the the praise they deserve so I I'm I'm going to try to to correct myself with this with this, with this kind of comments and in terms of kind of Carlo Ancelotti, who's come in for a lot of stick of late, and we've heard a yes. lot of rumours that he's not going to see out the seat. Well, he'll see out the season, but then he'll be off for Brazil. He spoke before the match about not going crazy, about kind of what you mentioned. This is a 90-minute game that they don't need to go out and look for this goal immediately. He, he's also, yeah, he's, he's come in for a lot of criticism about perhaps not going attacking enough. But even though I don't, think we could call this a mastermind performance because I think, as you say, Courtois was kind of the difference. So there is a point of it that's like, well, Barcelona weren't far away from turning the result in their favourite 2-0 at that point. How does it go? But does Ancelotti deserve the praise as much as the stick that he's been getting lately? Sure. I mean, I I sometimes hate uh, Real Madrid fans and how far <laughs> they take things. Like, I mean, who is a better coach for Real Madrid than Carlo Ancelotti? Because we don't actually know, like we, we always say about Tuchel, about Nagelsmann, they are great coaches, but not every great coach has had success in Real Madrid. We saw that we saw that with with Rafa Benitez. He he was a great coach. He is a great coach, but he's not a, a coach ready for Real Madrid. Also with Julian Lopetegui, um, low-profile coaches like Solari even performed better than than Lopetegui. And I think that that calm that Ancelotti has sometimes. Is actually what the team needs, what the club needs, what the institution needs, and certainly what what the fan base needs uh, at some times. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that, and also he gives the players enough kind of protagonism and enough kind of uh, confidence to solve these problems on their own to a certain extent. Yes. And when it doesn't come off, it looks like he's being kind of lackadaisical and not tactically astute. But when it does, he's genius, and all the credit goes to. Benzema and Modric because they're the ones that come up with their, those moments. But but moving sort of back, it, to, yeah. back to Barcelona, is this season over, Roman? What do Barcelona fans have to look forward to for the remaining 11 games? Well, obviously, we still have to celebrate La Liga. I know there's a big gap there, but 11 games uh, are 33 points, you know, so I mean... Uh, anything could really happen. Of course, it's very unlikely that uh, Real Madrid come back, but definitely this is um, great momentum for them. This is going to really give them an extra boost of confidence going on in every single game they're going to play. Because of course they beat Real Madrid six nil. I think beat Barcelona four nil. Um, I understand that uh, the Liga. They, they will understand that La Liga is complicated. 
but at the same time, you know, they're going to try and win their games, do their best in this competition, and there's, there's where Barca has to make sure they don't drop any more silly points or uh, open things up, because in the end, if Barca drop points here and there, and suddenly we're talking about I Liga, you know, typical uh, headline in the newspapers and everything gets more tense, so hopefully uh, they have to focus, finish things off, and I mean, it won't be... A disappointing season because we know where we're coming from and the Liga title I think is is a great success for Barcelona uh, but at the same time it's true that there have been many disappointments not just uh, now in the Copa del Rey but also in the Champions League and I think in the Europa League too I think that's uh, part of where we're coming from you know it's we're rebuilding things are changing co complicated times for Barcelona but at the same time we'll be able to hopefully enjoy a La Liga title which I think is is great news just in terms of kind of We've had five Clásicos now, we've had all the competitions resolved for Barcelona as much as, yes, perhaps there could be Liga if Barcelona kind of go on a terrible run and, and the confidence falls off completely. But are there any kind of conclusions that you already have in your mind from this season for Barcelona? Is there any, and I'm going to word this carefully here, are there any players that you have made your mind up on after this stage of the season? Well, um, it's hard to say because I think lots of players also go through different moments. Um, on one hand, for example, I think uh, Ansu Fati has always been up for debate lately. His, his current form isn't, of course, up to standard. Uh, and in, in any case, for example, I, I'd like to keep him if we weren't in the situation we are. But take into account that Barca need to sell... Um, are desperate, you know, to make space in the fair play situation. I mean, uh, I think we have to sell him because of that. You know, I said in the previous pod that we, we should sell him because of this reason specifically. But at the same time, if we weren't going through all of this, I would be willing to take a risk, a gamble on Ansu Fati and, and, and let him uh, stay here another year or two and see how things develop. Because in the end, we know he's come up from the youth system. He's uh, really shown a lot of quality at the beginning of his uh, promising career in the first team and he's got a lot of potential. So, I mean, it's tricky because there's many cases that fall into a similar scenario in the sense that, uh, for example, Busquets, he's had, I think, overall a very good season uh, and he was being very criticised the year before. We had to sell him, get rid of him. And then this year he proved to be a very important guy for Xavi. And then again, now uh, maybe his last few performances haven't been spectacular. Now you're thinking, mm, well, maybe we have to get rid of Busquets and we have to rebuild again and, you know, things have to change. So it's, it's pretty tough to come to conclusions for me because, you know, uh, there's always like two sides to the debate. So overall, um, if I had to say, I guess maybe Busquets moving on would make sense, you know, because in the end it's true that um, he's been there for a long time. He's, he's given us all he can give. I think, of course, he could still be a useful player for certain games, certain minutes, but you can't uh, drag, him on, drag him on forever. And we know that he has a high salary in comparison to other players and he should be making space for others. Then, as I said, Ansu Fati, if nothing changes and he doesn't show us a different version of himself in the next uh, month or, or a few months, then I think also he maybe should move on. And um, other players would generate doubts, but... Uh, I think we still have to wait until the end of the season to come to those final conclusions because there's still 11 games. And as you know, fans, football fans, Barca fans, change constantly their opinions. In a few games, if Ancelotti scores a couple of hat tricks, then we're going to want him to stay forever. So we better just uh, take it easy there. Yeah, I get the impression from all three of us that there is a, a tiny bit of loathing towards our own fan bases at times, <laughs> um, just for some of the hyperbole <laughs> that goes on. 
Uh, coming much. back to Real Madrid, we've got, yeah, I mean, from, from their point of view, it's all on the Copa del Rey and the Champions League now. Frank Lampard appears to be coming back to Chelsea in one of the one of the U.S. turns that I've ever seen. I really did not see that coming <laughs> at all. Um, but going into the Champions League, now that Benzema looks sharp again, Courtois is playing and is sharp again, you've got to kind of like your chances a little bit, don't you, Jorge? Don't do this to me, Rory, please. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, of course, like, you know, this is a huge boost to the confidence of, of all the Madridistas because we have actually seen our team compete at the, at the highest level again. It's not the the in-week version of Real Madrid where they always overperform in, in big matches. And, and yes, I mean, um, we, well, the, the Madridistas thought they they had like this huge chance against Chelsea because of the of the of the momentum of of the English team and uh, and now yes i mean scoring six goals against uh, Valladolid now four at camp now which is and and i don't want to 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 brag or, or, or to sound anything but this is something that many madridistas have never seen in their lives like i mean i'm in my mid 20s and i have not seen a performance like this at camp now so this is huge, obviously, for all the Madridistas' confidence. This is huge for for Real Madrid, and and yes, I mean it. It surely puts up our our confidence for that for that round. And but the Madridistas have like this little thing that we do not only think about the next match, like we we think about the next and then the next one. And there's a certain Manchester City waiting around the corner that that. Uh, stops our, our thinking of the of the decimo quinta. And just finally, we'll wrap up the the first half of the pods um, after this. But Camavinga left back, Rodrigo on the right wing. I, I yes. want to give a lot of credit to Ancelotti for putting Rodrigo there finally because I gave him stick for it when he didn't do it at Camp Nou last time. But uh, but yeah, would you keep this lineup going forward, or is it different strokes for is it for different games? You need to adjust it. Yeah, I, I think that that you need to to adjust your your game style depending on on your opponent. Um, speaking on Kamavinga, um, he's a 20 year old player that is the best defender when he plays in defense, and the best midfielder when he plays at, in in midfield. So this is a huge player. I mean, he had an enormous game, a, a super performance tonight against against Barcelona, and I really like Kamavinga. Like. He's a huge prospect for for Real Madrid. We all thought that Chamini will get that that spot in mid, in midfield, but the form he's in lately, he's arguably one of the most informed players in in Europe, and he's only 20 years old, so he has all all his career ahead of him. And and yeah, and speaking of Rodrigo, I think that Rodrigo is one of the players that hasn't had the chances he deserves when he when he plays. He's a player that I enjoy a lot watching him, and I think that he just needs to fit his his role in, in in the system actually because we've seen him play in the in the right, we've seen him play play as as forward. So yeah, I think this could be also like a huge turning point for for his season, and hopefully he he stays like a a starter for 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 Real Madrid. Fantastic. Anyway, I will wrap up part one there, but thank you very much to Jorge for giving up part thank of the Wednesday guys. night. 
No, no, the pleasure was all ours. And then we will be back after the break with Roman to discuss Osasuna and Los Rojillo, who are through to the final of the Copa del Rey for just the second time in their history. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Chibi en gatilla, el Chibi pide, pide mano. mano, pide mano, pide penalti el Chibi, aunque tímidamente, balón para Ibañez, golazo, se acabó, querido, qué gol ha metido, qué gol ha metido, que puede valer una final, pues en gorricho Axon y una gorricho Dane y vamos rojos, enhorabuena, nos vemos en Sevilla, guase. Welcome back to part two of the La Liga Lowdown podcast. We've delved deep into El Clásico and all of the fallout from that. But now it's time to get on to the proper story of the of the week and the, the best story of the week for me now. Um, Osasuna made it through to the second Copa del Rey final in their history. The, the previous one was against Real Betis, which they lost in 2005. The second in their 102-year history. This is one of the historic teams in La Liga and it's a fantastic achievement. Just tell us a little bit about what this means for, for Pamplona, for Navarra, for Arasate. The floor is yours, Roman. Well, I mean, you can just kind of see the reaction, you know, of the fans and the players uh, when they uh, got that goal. And then again, when the uh, referee uh, blew his whistle and it was the end of the game, uh, that excitement, the passion, the happiness. I mean, for a team like Osasuna to get uh, to a final of the Copa del Rey, 
I mean, just can't imagine it's something incredible, you know. It's not like for clubs like um, Madrid or Barca who are used to these kind of situations, or even Athletic Club, you know, who are a classic in, in the Copa del Rey finals usually. So, I mean, uh, it's always good to have fresh blood, we could say, um, having this opportunity. Also, uh, we've seen what a good job Arrasate has done in these the last few years with Asasuna, how, uh, you know, they've really trusted the manager despite there have been tougher moments, you know, Sasuna haven't had an easy easy path, you know, in these last few seasons and uh, despite everything they've always trusted their manager and the project and in the end this is maybe um, the achievement now they've actually managed for trusting him, you know, and I think it's, it's fantastic to have a team that, you know, if you look at their squad they have interesting players but uh, we're not talking about top quality or world class players, you know, uh, so it makes it even more impressive to see uh, Osasuna reaching that final and honestly I'm, I'm really happy for them, really excited to, to see this final against Real Madrid. I, th I don't think it will be uh, an easy game for Real Madrid even though of course they will be the favourites because of who they are basically and, and because you know they're just Real Madrid and in the end Osasuna I think they can put up a fight, uh, they've got a really well structured team and well we'll talk about the game and, and give more details on this. Yeah, and yeah, the celebrations back at um, I think it was Plaza del Castillo in, in Pamplona, 3 a.m. The players sort of leading the chance, and and people still out on a Wednesday, on a Tuesday night. It should be said, which is quite impressive, and it shows you the the magnitude of this achievement. I think every single Spanish outlet I follow on Twitter tweeted out the uh, the Braulio Vasquez, the sporting director uh -huh, of Osasuna, yeah. about four years ago when. Uh, also sooner, I think there were like 12 games without without a win. They were in the drop zone and him saying uh, Arasate is the captain of this ship and if the ship goes down, then we go down with the captain kind of thing. And this is yeah. the culmination, the reward for that. Um, but yeah, terrific. And, and just on that kind of what you're saying, I, I think in terms of internationals, I can only think of Davi Garcia, who won his first cap in March, um, who and Ante Budimir, who are international sports also sooner side. So yeah, it really is quite an achievement. There aren't a lot of standouts, even though there are very good players there. Um, Jimmy was about to be, apparently. He, 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 he was about to yet. be before he got his injury. Um, and then moving on to the game itself, Athletic dominated this game. They had so many chances. Nico Williams had the big two chances for the Athletic Club that he probably should have put away. Um, but ultimately, Osasuna managed to kind of hold out and, and drag themselves through the pressure until extra time. But but yeah, this was this was a uh, an exercise in survival um, for Osasuna, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that describes what Osasuna is in a way, you know, because uh, they're a team that can um, cling on to uh, to close results, or they can cling on to to whatever they need, you know, and 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 manage to pull through in the end. And this is uh, an example of this. I mean, we've seen it during La Liga where. Uh, it's it's common to see them draw nil nil or get a, a short result in their favor or something like that like that because they have the capacity to defend. They're very uh, tight at the back usually. Uh, they're very compact and you know they're very uh, there's a lot of solidarity we could say uh, in the squad itself and you know each player is always giving it 100 percent and it's true that Athletic Club had their chances. Uh, a bit of luck was definitely on Osasuna's side because as you said, Nico Williams for example had some really uh, good opportunities to put the ball in the back of the net and probably uh, take Athletic through to the next round, or to the next round, to the final, we'd say. And in the end, it didn't happen, you know. So 
obviously there was a bit of luck there, but I think Osasuna is, is a great team and, and Arrasate knew what they were doing and they knew that uh, Athletic Club will probably uh, be pressing because, I mean, at San Mames, it isn't easy, you know, to to play head to head against a club like Athletic Club because you know that they're going to have that extra support. It's going to be really tough. And Athletic Club, when they're hungry, they push and they push and they insist and they press and it feels like they never get tired. Uh, but in the end, it wasn't enough. And uh, they got that goal late on in the game, which was uh, incredible to take them through. And I mean, Osasuna for me uh, deserve it, even though, as we said, Athletic were the better, te were the better um, team in this game. But overall, I think Osasuna have done plenty of merits to, to be where they are. I think it's kind of sort of uh, built on Courtois that I was mentioning earlier. Um, that was about Sergio Herrera, who's in the Osasuna goal and who's come up with penalty saves in the last two rounds. He came up with a couple of big saves here. And if Courtois is kind of like the Neo Matrix style uh, kind of keeper that he just stops everything and he's almost impregnable, Sergio Herrera is the emotion, he's the passion. I've, I've never seen a keeper so buzzed after making saves as Sergio Herrera, it really was quite impressive. And then, Roman, talk us through that Pablo Ibanez goal because what a hit! You you cannot dream up a better moment than that if you're if you're a kid. Yeah, I mean, when I when I saw the opportunity arise, I mean, I thought uh, I doubt he's going to score that, you know, because it's it's a difficult situation. It wasn't easy to put it past the goalkeeper. Also, as you said, the pressure of the moment. Um, he's a player that's probably not used to. Uh, being these sort of games and the way he he did it, how how he was he had the class, you know, to, to put it past uh, Athletic Club uh, goalkeeper. I mean, in the end, was was pretty impressive. So um, it's not just the fact that they scored a goal; he scored a fantastic goal, and it's an historic goal for Osasuna, of course. So that's really um, something that he's gonna never ever forget. Basically, it's gonna carry on for him till the end of, of his days, and probably might be his best moment ever unless he scores of course in the final of the Copa del Rey it would probably be up there in in, in his uh, career and, and you know in his story as a as a player and, and Pablo Ibanez as you, as you mentioned there he was released by Osasuna at I want to say it was either 16 or 18 and then re-signed by them two years ago on the 31st of January to play in their B team I think that was at the age of 22 or 23 as well so it really is kind of a, a bit of a fairy tale story for a footballer that probably did not think he was going to make it at the top top level, and will be playing in the Copa del Rey final um, in in a few weeks' time. A word on Athletic, Ernesto Valverde's face really kind of broke my heart a little bit after this game because you could just see the the deep pain inside of him, and and this is a manager that, frankly, he can't do anything if they cannot put away those chances and. Inigo Martinez came out after the game and kind of voiced it, what everyone was thinking, but kind of doesn't really get said very often by Athletic, sort of externally or, or, or by the players and the manager himself. He said, there's no goals in Athletic. Athletic not any goal. And they need to extract a, a goal scorer from, from Bilbao Athletic, from the Le Femme Academy with pliers because there's nothing on the market either. I wonder if Inigo Martinez potentially off at the end of the season felt a bit more empowered to say that than perhaps some of his other teammates might have done. But but yeah, is there any other explanation for this than the lack of goal scorer Roman? Well, it's definitely true that they, they're missing uh, a number nine, you know, who can finish off these opportunities. Like uh, we're lucky to have Aduriz, Aduriz 
back in the days, and, and he was proved to be a very important player, but not having a, a key figure like him um, really affects him. I mean, Raul Garcia has stepped up some seasons. He's been a pretty uh, prolific goal scorer, but of course now, you know, he's at an age where he doesn't play as much, he's not as important, and of course he doesn't have the capability to score. Then you have Iñaki Williams, who has these incredible physical conditions. He's got pace, he's got quality, he's got... He's quite technical, but then when it comes to, to scoring goals, even though, of course, he did score in this match, um, he tends to struggle very much. And, and how many very good opportunities have you seen Iñaki Williams miss in, uh, during his career at Athletic Club? You know, he's the guy that uh, if he scored, uh, if you, you paid a euro for every goal he, he could have scored, I mean, you would be a millionaire because, of course, he has he's always in great situations. And I think Athletic Club in general have the capacity to generate uh, a lot of good opportunities. I mean, in this in this game against Osasuna, they had 23 shots overall. And they were 18 corners, so this is proof that, you know, they were there. They were really on top of uh, Sergio Herrera and of Osasuna's defence. But unfortunately, there's not that guy who can just put it past and have the, the, the aim or, or the capacity to, to get important goals. And, I mean, it's tough, as you said. I mean, they can't really uh, look very far, you know, for... For a striker, they have to be lucky that uh, a youngster is going to come up from, from the bottom and, and prove important. Uh, Sanced looked like he could be that player. He was also, he's also had some really good moments in Athletic Club, but I don't think he's still uh, at that level yet. And also with uh, Valverde, he's played a lot in the midfield, whereas before he was playing more as a striker. So I mean, it's really tough. It's really tough for them. Um, they have very talented players with Iñaki Williams, with Nico Williams, etc. But uh, they're not prolific goal scorers, unfortunately, and that's something that, you know, is going to affect them. Although, as, as I've said before in other pods, at the beginning of the season, I remember that uh, sorry, Athletic Club were having a really good streak where they were winning games by 4-2, 4-0. You know, they were scoring lots of goals, but that kind of, you know, run out a bit and, and, and they've not really found that form since then. And yeah, I mean, hopefully not long, uh, they'll find someone who can... Uh, be that key figure in attack and, and really help them get those goals because Athletic Club, you know, uh, have the potential, but unfortunately uh, don't have that key figure to sit. And moving on to their opponents at the weekend, Espanyol, just a, a quick word on a couple of appointments and sackings. Firstly, Luis Garcia Fernandez is, is on the bench for Espanyol this weekend. He was appointed after Diego Martinez sacking, which we discussed in a previous pod. Go check that out if you want our analysis of that. But uh, he takes over from RSC International in Tercera, which are going to become Real Madrid's C. That's his only senior management experience. Can you bring us any further insight on that, Roman? Because I don't think a lot of people know a lot about him. Well, I mean, he hasn't done too much because, of course, his career as a manager is very short. As you said, he's coming from uh, Tercera Ref, which actually is the Spanish fifth division. I read somewhere that it's probably the biggest jump there's ever been at uh, this uh, level, you know, going from such a low uh, league to the top league in, in Spanish football. So, I mean, pretty incredible uh, that they've chosen Luis Garcia. Uh, I mean, what he's done currently in Dahi, he coached Dam, sorry, and it's a team in Catalonia in the lower leagues, and uh, he did pretty well there in Internacional. I think they're the top scorers in the league. So, I mean, at that level, he's doing really well. But, of course, to, to take the leap to trust Luis Garcia to take on um, a club that's trying to avoid relegation is such a risky move. Honestly, they have to really have faith in him. I know he's he's obviously he breathes Espanol. He's he's been at the club. He knows the club probably inside out. Uh, that's 
I'm guessing why they've actually chosen him, you know, because it's it's someone who who really feels Española and, and knows how important it is to to wear that uh, T-shirt every weekend and how important it is to be at uh, the top tier always. So I mean, I guess he will provide uh, that intensity and and try and motivation. Uh, sorry, the motivation to get his players going. Uh, but at the same time, I really don't know how he's gonna. Uh, work out, you know, at the, at the top level. So I mean, it, it is, it is for me a very risky move. Hopefully, it works out well. Hopefully, he's the right choice, and he could be a manager for many years on. But uh, at first glance, it does seem like a, a very tricky one. And just finally, Pacheta was sacked by Valladolid on Monday, which I don't think many people saw because he's always kind of spoken of the backing that he's had from Ronaldo Nazario, who's the owner there, of course. In comes Paulo Pezzolano, who who did. Well in Brazil with uh, Cruzeiro, who are, who are Ronaldo's other team. We don't really know much about Petzolano, to be perfectly honest, but just on the sacking itself, I, I was pretty surprised. I thought by the lead as much as perhaps they were tight at the bottom, they were kind of performing to expectations. Yeah, I mean, they are in a delicate position, and of course, uh, they're still not in the relegation zone when, when Pacheta leaves the club, uh, but... Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess uh, Ronaldo or the club itself, they, they've just uh, thought that it was better to, to move on because, I mean, with Pacheta, there hasn't been any consistency. That's true. There have been, as you said, some, some good moments and, and times where the team has been playing really well. And I think they've probably deserved more in, in certain situations during the season. Uh, before the World Cup, for example, I mean, Real Madrid had a really good streak of, of good results and good performances. Then it's true that after the World Cup, uh, they, they were doing pretty bad. But then again, with a few signings in the transfer market, which I thought were pretty interesting, uh, I think they did a good job there. They seemed to um, get a few good results with Kyle Larin scoring important goals for them. But then again, another slump in form, another uh, disappointing um, moment for them. And I guess uh, they're just not fully convinced with Pacheta. And maybe they know that the players aren't really on board because as a matter of fact, in the farewell press conference of Pacheta, only one single Real Valladolid player was there, apparently, um, and it was Sergio León. So, I mean, the fact that no other player went there might give you an idea that they weren't fully convinced of, of Pacheta's ideas and, and what he was transmitting to the team. It's true that some other players did say farewell on, on social media, which is always nice, but, I mean, I think it's always better to be at the press conference and, you know, pay your respects. So now they bring in Bezzolano, who we honestly don't know much about. Uh, the only thing that uh, is clear here is he's coming from Cruzeiro, as you said, that's uh, Ronaldo's other club in, in Brazil. And obviously, Ronaldo trusts him. He knows what he's capable of and he thinks that he can uh, do a proper job here in Spain. We'll have to see. I mean, he has no La Liga experience. Aside from playing as a player, he was loaned in uh, to play for Mallorca. Uh, I think it was in the 2009-2010 season and I think he played like 11 or 12 games only, mostly as a sub. So, I mean, his experience is very, very brief, but uh, we'll have to see if uh, this one also is a, is a good move or another risky one like uh, Luis Garcia. An international man of mystery to save via the Leeds season <laughs> and keep them up. On that note, we will have to finish up because we are, we are fast running out of time. And, uh, and yeah, my thanks to Jorge earlier and thank you to Roman for your time again this late hour. A pleasure. Always a pleasure. Even if we uh, lose, doesn't matter. I'm always here. <laughs> Sometimes it's better than other times, um, it has to be said. But on that note, congratulations to Real Madrid and Osasuna, of course, into the final. What a final in the Copa del Rey we have coming up. 
But that's all from us and we will see you again on Monday with our latest match day recap.